0: We should become leveraging technologies where we are the digital command center, if you will, to leverage a variety of technologies, but not on their own, very much in tandem with process, people, and technology to deliver that so-called promised nirvana.
1: Welcome to the GBS Masterminds Podcast, the one and only platform for global business service leaders, to share their experiences of building world class shared service organizations my name is sashi Narathari, founder and ceo of hyridius and i'll be your host today i'm honored to host sandy kanna a business leader with 25 plus years of experience in driving digital transformation agenda with people cultural empathy and user experience at the core sandy is passionate about transforming organizations into next-generation enterprises and GBS organizations, and is currently serving as Global Head of Shared Services at Anglo-American. Sandy, thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome to the show.
0: You're very welcome, Shashi. Really looking forward to uh, an engaging and hopefully provocative conversation.
1: You bet. So, Sandy, we'll get started. with. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your career journey.
0: Certainly my favorite topic, allegedly. It's all terribly boring. I started work many years ago at a company called Pricewaterhouse. We then became Price Waterhouse Coopers, and the business that I was part of was acquired by IBM. I started in audit and accounting, recognized that, that that was a necessary evil, however, not terribly exciting for me. And I moved into centralizing things, centralizing stuff. And then as the business grew and as our experiences grew, I got an opportunity to moved to different parts of the world. Uh, we were away from home for about 15 years, living in France and Italy and Spain and then Hungary and then Poland. The BPO business in earnest uh, started in the mid-90s for me at Pricewaterhouse. That's my kind of journey and kind of career experiences. And actually, in, after 30-odd years on that side of the fence, I, I kind of thought I'd better go and do a proper job. So I'm, I, I had an opportunity to move into industry, which is where I am now, uh, I've worked for a couple of organizations, and as you said, I'm currently reimagining and leading shared services at uh, Anglo-American and De Beers. So a really exciting uh, new industry, but boy, you know what great opportunities to transform and reimagine shared services here. So that's me.
1: All right. Stanley, I'm going to ask you the $6 million questions that are most debated in the GBS world. Let me start with the first one. The first one is the classic debate of captive center versus outsourcing. You have, in the past, been more inclined towards outsource environments compared to captive models, if you look at your career evolution, for deploying
0: shared services. Which model would you suggest now and why? I think I I need to be balanced on this one. Though I've spent a large part of my career in the consult and operate businesses as a services, as a professional services provider... I think we need to recognize this for all you know, those who work in that industry that, that actually you always recommend the right answer uh, for your clients. I've had an opportunity to work with some really large global organizations in many sectors from industrials to financial services to CPGs. I've been on, on the provider side and on the client side. You know, I've worked at a telco, I've worked at another CPG. I'm now in an extractive industry, having worked at another large extractive industry uh, when I was uh, a part of the PW family. But I absolutely believe, having spent 30 years in this space, that the world increasingly is hybrid, in my view. Ecosystem partners are an important part of any delivery model in any industry. Why? Partners can underwrite investments, they can commit to outcomes. Though I have to say outcome-based models, I'm not quite there yet. Uh, They absolutely can leverage talent pools and manage talent in ways that offers career pathways that that perhaps captives can't do. Uh, They can provide shared investments in infra and technology. Their R&D budgets are often deeper, always deeper. It's their core business. However, I think the hybrid element's important career pathways, strategy, decision-making, higher-end activities tend to be retained, mainly I would suggest because of unproven outcomes and perhaps control, statutory and compliance obligations by captives. Is that just reluctance? Is it just a matter of time? We'll tell. I think it's about cultural cultural adoption and maturity. I think that's the, the pertinent reason. But I really believe whichever model you pursue The provider, and I don't like that term provider, I think that hybrid world needs to have the strategic assets, the natural extension, if you will, of the organization, whether you're a captive or an outsourced provider. So I'm going to be in the middle. I'm going to say the world is hybrid. So we'll go to the million-dollar question number two. There's a lot of
1: debate, Sandy, on what companies should do. Should you do the lift and sweep process, look at it in a shared services center, standardize this first, and then move it? What's your recommendation? so as you
0: say you know one of the oldest questions on the in the history of what we do i actually kind of looked for empirical evidence around this and i only seem to recall only ever reading one study on this topic that i really liked it was some time ago actually it was from it was from a strategy house a well known global strategy house around the lift shift transform the transform and then shift model my personal view based on my experiences, right, so, so take it with a pinch of salt, whether it's having done work at you know, PepsiCo or BP or PNG or Unilever or BT or Anglo-American or Telstra or CEMEX or any other client that I've been involved in, you have to ask the following question. Why would you not realize bottom line savings as soon as possible first by lifting and shifting? insofar as anything can be lifted and shifted. There's always change, right, in the end-to-end processes, and technologies and people. Why would you not take the money as quickly as you can and then use that saving to fund elements of the transformation that needs to happen? More importantly, I think centralising, let's just call it that, making the change happen in a controlled and a single environment once you've centralised, in my view, and rather bitter experience, is often better And safer and more sustainable than trying to do it in many business units around the world. So I think we're going through that same question in my current organization. Uh, You know, we're deploying full-scale end-to-end finance transformation, S4, Vim, Blackline, new standard end-to-end processes, et cetera, et cetera. And we're reimagining how we leverage and scale shared services to new levels. And after a very long and heated set of conversations. Whether we couple ourselves with a big bang approach or whether we decouple ourselves from the tech rollout, the transform and accelerate centralization is an ongoing dialogue. But but I very much lean towards the case of do it once, do it in a central place, embed the controls, make change happen with the people that are going to have to sustain it in the long term. So that's where I vote, Shashi. Lift and shift. Get the money. Make the
1: transform happen. We'll go to the number three question. This is around technology. A lot of confusion. There is ERPs, there is RPAs, there are foundational cloud platforms. What is your general viewpoint as you're going through this transformation? What are some of the confusing elements? We wanted to get your point of view, and you can be bold and blunt. There are a lot of of moving parts here with so much investments going on in tech space.
0: Look, I am no expert here. I'm just a a simple practitioner who seems to have got caught up in the maelstrom around process, people, and technology, right? However, I have a strong view, <laughs> and I believe that we, shared services or GBS organisations, should actually be the home for that continuum of process excellence and automation. And it's the value this can deliver to processes, people, controls, et cetera. It's not technology for technology's sake, right? We should never go after this month, this year's, this five years fad is rpa right let's not chase technology for technology's sake and perhaps you know let's talk about rpa many organizations perhaps achieve they fail to realize the perceived value you only have to look at who makes money here right i would suggest that our future within gbs is to leverage technologies in the right fashion we should be not just the sort of nucleus layer where you know digitized end-to-end processes and journeys are managed that's what we do we aspire for touchless and lights out you know we aspire not just to manage transactions but to monitor and control the automated execution uh, of these transactions i think that's the we are the destination of choice for that sort of stuff not just for ourselves but actually the enterprise but actually we should become leveraging technologies the centers of excellence the networks of excellence if you will layer where we are the digital command center, if you will, to leverage a variety of technologies, but not on their own, very much in tandem with process, people. You're still going to need people and technology to deliver that so-called promised nirvana. All right, we'll go to question number four.
1: This is a very debated topic. The role of GBS as a cost-cutting organization versus revenue driver. you built and managed so many global businesses, and generated significant revenue and growth in mature and growth markets. Could you share your secret recipe for transforming GBS from a cost-cutting focus to a revenue growth strategy?
0: There's no secret sauce here, right? I am not Colonel Sanders in KFC or anything like that. I think let's just think about our history, you know, for those of us who worked in this space. And we've all got different experiences, and, and there are some great colleagues who work for some great companies who have a completely different perspective. It always used to be about cost. Shashi, so right? It was always about cost. It was all about labor differentials. It's a little bit like long range weather forecasting when you're chasing that game. We then moved into the efficiency, right? More cost, productivity, you know, how quickly can I do it? How many invoices per FTE can I do? So, you know, we were all conditioned, trained, bought up around labor, efficiency, and the terms effectiveness, quality, and control only really started to creep in when we all started to question what were we actually delivering the questions around talent only really started to creep in because we started to all race to the bottom right who can do it the fastest the cheapest i think those are all outdated but very important foundational table stakes those terrible new words value add whatever that means started to creep into our language and i think that's where we really got to think around whether it's revenue generation or how do we generate sustainable value, value in the eyes of our stakeholders around offering services that frankly free up the business to focus on what their true raison d'etre is. So I think our role has to be around supporting the business ultimately to generate more revenue, more profit, and more stakeholder, more shareholder return for all of their stakeholders. We have a key role to play. Actionable insights from data and associated analytics, not just data and analytics, right? Actionable insights is where we demonstrate that our future is more around helping our respective organizations to drive revenue. More than anything else, more than anything else that I've said, it's about talent and it's about developing people. Our only one asset, right, as a services business is our people. So I think in addition to Cost, In addition to growth, we are also, importantly, a hub for attracting, developing, retraining, retraining as well as retaining, and relentlessly reinventing the skills that our colleagues that work in shared services have because I think we're the, we're the pool into which organizations should fish.
1: All right. The fifth million-dollar question, Sandy, is core ERP versus modern SaaS platforms. Everyone is confused about SAP, Oracle, Default, and then you have these modern niche software companies. Of course, Adidas is one of them, Coupa, BlackLine, and others. In your view, what's the
0: trade-off? So I think it's horses for courses. But increasingly, a few years ago, it seemed that those expensive, clunky, on-prem ERPs were waning any number of enabling tools and technologies emerged, right? Any number. Uh, some of them have been there for a long time. Uh, some of them suddenly came and then 18 months later disappeared. Uh, but those enabling tools and technologies, I think, have become core of our ecosystem. Right. I think as S4 and Fusion, demand for that does seem to have increased quite dramatically Across various global enterprises, actually, I think it's fair to say, probably more so than y two k did. I strongly believe that our way forward, and therefore there should be no confusion is to make sure we leverage best to breed products and partners. We've got to create a sustainable solution. What Blackline does, for example, it does very well. Why wouldn't we use that? What high radius do, for example? why wouldn't you leverage that? You know Ariba and Cooper are fighting that space continually. Uh, concur around travel management. You know, there are are lots of -of best-of-breed products and partners who are experts in their area, and I think you'd be extraordinarily short-sighted not to leverage that ecosystem. So is there confusion? Probably. Should there be? No, I don't think there should. I think you should have your core, and then you should use the right ecosystem to help you develop what you're looking to deliver, and that's a sustainable solution, not a short-term fix.
1: Makes sense. All right. Closing question, Sandy, for you. What would you like to leave your listeners in terms of some parting advice? Your younger self, probably, your peers, you've, you've seen a lot. So I'm curious, uh, what would be your parting advice?
0: Well, first of all, you didn't say the $6 million question because this is the sixth question. Yeah. Because I was kind of hoping you were going to write me a check, but you know, there we are. <laughs> what would I advise? Crikey, you know, what am I? I started when I was three. I've been at this for 30 years. Get engaged in the conversation would be my first thing. Don't be a passenger. And the reason I say that is I get, frankly, quite frustrated and upset about people who have opinions about our industry, who, frankly, have never got their hands dirty, understand what it means to run a people-based services organization. Uh, Secondly, I think we continually need to focus on our talent, on our people. It's our one asset. And there is nothing harder, in my view, than managing People, right? We're a funny breed, us humans. We all have (laughs) different (laughs) different people. We we are. We're unique, each and every one of them. So I think focusing on our talent and encouraging ourselves to relentlessly reinvent and upskill ourselves is really important, right? The world is ridiculously fast at the best of times, more so now as a result of the last 20 months. I think my final thing is around the word services. I, I, I just have an allergic reaction now. To the term shared services, because the word service infers a subservient, servile, second class attitude towards us, our industry. Sadly, I don't yet have an answer for what we use instead of shared services. I think some of my, my esteemed colleagues around the world are coming up with different brands and different names. I think I talk about the four C's, you know, why we as a shared organization need to exist in a new hybrid working model it's not all at home it's not all in the office but i think it's 60 to 80 percent in an office environment and that's around culture collaboration creativity and companionship i think those are very very important for our future existence very much Sashi. so there we are four closing thoughts for you all right love the four c's sandy i know how busy you are that's patented and it's
1: trademarked so it's mine (laughs) right I want the royalties. We'll try to get you the million dollar check for that. We'll fight for that. (laughs) So thank you so much, Sandy. I know how busy you are. This is really valuable information. I've learned a lot and I'm sure the GBS community is going to learn a lot out of this podcast. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Shashi, for the opportunity. I, as always, enjoy connecting and chatting with you.
1: That was the GBS Masterminds podcast. For more information, visit gbsmasterminds.com and make sure to search for GBS Masterminds in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And on behalf of the team here at High Radius, thanks for listening.